through 25 seasons. Hey! 4,561 episodes. I believe The Oprah Winfrey Show was one of the greatest classrooms in the world. I really never thought of it that way. The aha moments, the breakthroughs, the connections, the occasional ugly cry. I miss him so terribly. I miss him every single minute. The LOLs, the moments that mattered. The eye-opening life lessons. Never allow them to take you somewhere else. I'm bringing them back. It's time to open the vault. I've personally chosen these classic episodes to share with you again. Every single person you ever will meet shares that common desire. They want to know, do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean anything to you? You are listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you answer yes to any of these questions, Dr. Phil is talking to you today. Are you constantly tired or stressed or emotionally flat, depressed, worried, unhappy, or feel like you're living a go-through-the-motions existence? Do you do things you hate sometimes, yet you continue to do them anyway? <laughs> well, Dr. Phil has a book called Self Matters, Creating Your Life from the Inside Out, and it really takes you step-by-step step through your past to uncover the key times, the key people and places that made you who you are today. It's a wonderful book. It's like, reading this book is like being your own shrink. It is. That's a good thing. Yeah, and if you feel like you're not living the life you want, this book will help you figure out exactly why you are the way you are and how you can change it. Or, you know, if you're like me, maybe you don't want to change it. Maybe you really learn. I learned from this book that really I like myself a lot. <laughs> I came away, I scored like as high as you could get on the authenticity test. Well, I would expect you would. I mean, because you work at it and you are evolved. I came away thinking, I love myself <laughs> and self matters. That's right. Okay, Dr. Phil says that if you say right now is the best time, perfect time to read this book. Well, I do because here's the thing. I've been doing this for 30 years and I, this is going to sound like an extreme statement. But I believe that everything that we wrestle with in our lives, depression, anxiety, divorce, all, all the things that we might wrestle with in our lives, just finding meaning and purpose, all trace back to one thing, and that is we don't know who we are. We never figured out who we are. I've gone back through yeah, the 30 years. we're all acting out of a fictional self. A fictional self. What right. we do is we are just born into a life I mean, if your parents are blue-collar or white-collar or they're here or there or whatever. Or no-collar. Yeah, or no-collar. No-collar. You're, you're just born into a life, and you start rocking along. And do you ever wonder how you became to be who you are? I mean, because everybody has a personality. Everybody has a way of presenting themselves to the world. You yeah. have humor. You have this. You have that. All of these things. Maybe it's doubts. Maybe it's confidences. Whatever. But have you ever wondered how who you have become came to be. How did it happen? Yeah, this book helps you figure that out. It, it, the idea is I want, everybody writes about self, yeah. and nobody understands it. So my idea was to demystify this, and let me tell you why I think it's important. You think it, you understand it? I do think I understand it now, and I, and I think I, I said to you earlier, this book changed me. I, I, and and you I know what I said? <laughs> that You are really brilliant if you write a book and learn something yourself. <laughs> And you are just too special. <laughs> you had a book and you go, woo! But I, I you know, I did all, I did all the things that I set out in this book. Yeah. I did it all. I, set, I wrote it and I said, all right, now do it. 
And when I did it, and I went back and found those things that have written on the slate of who I am to make me who I stand here as today, I was astounded at some of the things that were the key. Okay. Now, your definition of fictional self is a distorted self-image based on a <clears throat> world-defined and assigned identity. That's what you say. That's right. What I talk about is that we, there's an authentic self and a fictional self. So, yeah, and that's what I love about this. You get to decide, you take the test to figure out, are you working well, out right. of authenticity or are you working out of your fictional self? What I, what I say about the fictional self is we all dance for the world. Yeah. We, we all have these things that we are expected to do. We're expected to be, you know, good wives. We're expected to be doting husbands. We're expected to be good workers. We're expected to be good sheep. Yeah. And so we just kind of go along being sheep, and we don't ever stop and say, wait a minute. Is this really me? Am I doing what yeah. I want to do? Because yeah. let me tell you, if you're not, it'll just wear okay. you out. So what is your definition of authentic self? Authentic self is... At the absolute core of who you are, every one of us is is born with and then build on and learn certain gifts, skills, abilities, and wisdom that really defines who we are. And I think we all have a meaning and a purpose and a mission in this life. And if we don't know what that is and we're not living that, then we're not living authentically. Every one of us has a highest and best use. I mean, I would hate for you to have remained a, a Kirby salesman. Yeah. That would not have been a good use. I was use. a Kirby vacuum cleaner salesman <laughs> when I was uh, 16. Thank okay. you for and, telling me. And not that there's anything so. wrong. I was a sales solicitor phone person. And, and not that there's anything wrong with being that. I sold more Kirby's <laughs> that. <laughs> but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. There's not anything wrong with being that. Yeah. If that's who you are and that's what you want to do. But if it's not, then th that's not a good thing. So what I'm saying is, You've got to find out what are your gifts, what are your skills, what are your abilities? Because man, a racehorse has got to run. Yeah. You can't take a racehorse and put it in front oh, of a plow. I love that. A racehorse yeah. has got to and, run. And you got to ask, what is what is that for you? And an important thing, if you think it's selfish, I'm telling you, to do that is not selfish. Because self matters. Self matters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I got it. I got it. Real cute. <laughs> and. And here's the thing, you cannot give away what you don't have. And you are part of your children's life chain. And if you are not living authentically, if you are not finding and living and expressing yourself, you're teaching your children to do the same thing. So I want to talk about how to get you in touch with who you really are and who you are called to be so you can show your children how to be who they are. Because we do not live in a society that is geared to individuality. You know, fall in line, do what's expected. Yeah, be one of the sheep. Be one of the sheep. So how do you find your authentic self? You know, we've talked about authenticity and authentic self on this show, but what Phil has done in Self Matters is give you instructions on how you can determine that for yourself. Phil says there are 10, think about this, everybody has them, 10 at least defining moments from your past that will explain why you are the way you are. How can you tell if you are living a fictional version of yourself? Well, here are some of the questions from Dr. Phil's authenticity test. Are you generally uneasy about what people expect of you? When you make a mistake, is it difficult for you to forgive yourself? 
Do you sometimes call yourself names like stupid or loser? Do you worry that you're going to screw up? Do you often wonder if others are evaluating you? Do you feel it is too hard to get what you want in life? If you answered yes to any of those questions, Dr. Phil says it's an indication that your self-concept is distorted. If you answered yes to three or more, he says you are not living authentically. Dr. Phil is here and we're talking about how to get to the bottom of why you are the way you are. It's fascinating. I mean, it's really, when I said at the beginning, it's like being your own shrink. Why you do the things that you do and how to change it. And we do a lot of talking about authentic self and people talk about it, but this is the first time I think somebody, uh, Phil, has been able to put you in touch with how do you figure that out? How do you do that? First, you say that we have to examine the external influences that, that have shaped who we are. And everybody has them. Well, that's true. Look, when, when people talk about self, they, they get into it from an idea of, of like it's some abstract, ethereal sort of thing. I wanted to break it down to real world, real world sorts of things. People need to know how I came to be who I am. And when you look back over your life, if, if you're 40 years old, you've lived like 14,600 days. And, and you could never sort all of those out. But what we've learned they is... They start to become more of a blur at this they age. They do. Yes, okay. They absolutely... Yeah, well, okay. when you were 40, they did. Yeah. And they get <laughs> even blurrier since then. <laughs> Keep talking. Go ahead. But, I mean, here's the thing. If you want to know how you became who you are, you want to know what your self-identity truly is yeah. and how you got there, you can reduce it down to three major categories. Okay, I love this. Go ahead. And you can reduce it down to ten defining moments... Seven critical choices and five pivotal people. All the rest Isn't of it. Isn't that exciting to know? <laughs> Ten, seven, five. Go ahead. You know, all the rest of it is wallpaper. All the rest of it is wallpaper. But if you go back and look, there are 10 defining moments, seven critical choices, and five, five pivotal, pivotal people, people that have defined you and who you are today. Now, the, 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 the whole idea is knowing what questions to ask. and, and What you're good at. Well, I try to, because if you know the questions to ask, then the answers are, like, just easy. Okay. But you got to know the right questions. Okay, and the definition of a defining moment is what? A defining moment is that thing that stands out in your life in a way that you were changed in that moment. And, and what we do is do like a snapshot of how you were on certain categories and dimensions before the moment occurred and who you were after that moment occurred. Because you, you will be changed by that moment. Something happened, something occurred, and up until that point, your self-identity was one thing, and after it, because that wrote on the slate of who you are, you were changed. It changed who you were up until this point in time. For example, in the book, uh, you talk about your good friend Oprah. I do. Yes, you do. And I, <clears throat> I told you about my credit, a defining moment for me was third grade, Miss Driver's class, turning in my book report early. Honestly, Katie John, it was a fifth grade level book I was doing there. And turning in that book report early because I love the book so much and having her then stand up before the class and say, isn't this wonderful what you did? All the kids then turned on me because of it. But in that moment, I realized, first of all, when you do what you love, it, it doesn't feel like work. It didn't feel like homework. And also, because Mrs. Driver then told all the other teachers what I'd done, that when you are excellent, when you do well, 
the word carries. I learned that yeah. in the third grade, and I was never the same after that. And, and that was a decision to always do my best. I thought from now on, I'm going to always do my best. Yeah. And so you, your point is good. You don't have to. It's not like a negative defining moment. Yeah. It doesn't have to be negative. Maybe it is. I, I had some seriously negative yeah. defining yes, moments. Yeah. Uh, that I talk about also. But this for you was one that when you first told me this story, you said it contributes to who you are today. Absolutely. To the way you approach the show, the magazine, everything that you do in your life was affected by in that moment in time when she stood in that teacher's lounge and said, have I got a star down there? I could cry right now. <laughs> okay, Carmen says she wants to find out why she struggles making decisions and fears getting into the game of life. That was her question. I'm the oldest in my family, and as I grew up, I always felt special because everyone looked to me to be the problem solver. But inside, I always doubted myself. To this day, I second guess every major decision I make. I can't seem to take responsibility for my life. I can't get anything off the ground. I feel like my fear of success is also spilling into my personal life. I just ignore it because I've been so obsessed with my career. It makes me unhappy because I know I have all the tools for success. I just don't know what to do with them. I feel frozen, just spinning my wheels, waiting for something to happen. Please help. I feel like I'm wasting my life. Okay, Carmen's been figuring out what her 10 defining moments are. And I hear the one that impacted her the most happened when you were? Um, third grade. Third grade. I um, was called to the board to do a long division problem. And... Uh, <clears throat> couldn't figure it out. I couldn't begin the process, and I had to stand at the board until I figured it out. And it felt like hours that she left me at the board. And when she finally let me sit down, I cried until the end of the day. And it was just humiliating. Uh-huh. And that's been years ago. Yes. All right. Now, how did you feel about yourself before that happened to you? I mean, you, even, even that young, you had an idea of, of who you were and how you felt. What was it? Very smart, pretty much knew, very comfortable in what I was doing, and didn't have to go to people a lot for questions. I mean, I felt confident. Okay, and after that moment in time, how did that change the way you saw yourself? I, I, I kind of felt like all my smartness just leaked out. I just thought that I needed direction all the time, needed to ask questions constantly, not very confident in myself. Um, Did your grades start to falter? Yes. Really? From that one moment at the blackboard? Yeah. Yeah. And see, people just don't understand how that event, as I said, writes on the slate of who you are. But let me say this. she crosses was, things out. She was only six years old, but was advanced to the third grade. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah, you had jumped ahead, right? right? So you jumped ahead, so you already got all kinds of pressure exactly. being in the class with eighth-year-olds. Eight and then year somebody comes and does that. And you, and you think... And you also, know, don't you learn long division in the fifth grade? We didn't learn until the fifth grade. Okay, you're advanced. Never yeah. mind. Okay. <laughs> and, and what I want you to understand is that may not seem like a big dramatic example, mm -hmm. but you'll see that, uh, that the things that we talk about in here don't have to involve like rape or molestation or abuse, they're everyday things that accumulate to affect you in, in some way. And standing at a chalkboard, being humiliated in front of the class, which is your whole world at that time. But what I want you to know is that that moment 
changed you the way you are today because of something I call psychic disfigurement. Yeah. It, you know, it's like you can get disfigured because you get burned on your face or you get cut. That can disfigure you physically, but you can also be disfigured psychically. It changes who you are, and therefore, as someone that was perhaps ashamed if, if they had a scar that might try to kind of hide it and not even know it, you do the same thing with yourself psychically. And so you've got to understand that you're, you're saying, I'm spinning my wheels, I can't seem to get going. I'll guarantee you it traces back in part to that moment in time. You're still at the blackboard. You're still at the blackboard. Well, something Phil said years ago on this show, we were doing a show talking about parents who argue in front of their children, and he said, when you argue in front of your children, you change who they are. So those of you who argue and fight in front of your children, you're creating defining moments in your children's life every time that happens. Uh, and one of the things that I, I talk about when I say you need to give this to your children as well, teach them to be authentic, ask yourself, do you know what your children's defining moments have been? Do you know them well enough to know what moments have defined them in their lives? Dr. Phil says in his book, Self Matters, that the first step is to find your 10 defining moments. You've been thinking about yours? Okay, you need to really sit down and write them down because now you think, let me see, that's six? Is that... Okay, the next step is to look at the seven critical choices you have made in your life. And you say a critical choice is a choice that affected your life up to the present day. Like what, for example? It puts you on a path. Yeah. I mean, there's something you do where you come to a point where you decide, I'm going to go to college or I'm going to get married. Right. I'm, I'm going I'm to take this job or I'm not. I'm going to try out He's for the choir it. or I'm not. I'm right. going to, I mean, choices that you make. And they may be choices to drive while you were drinking. It might have been choices to start doing drugs. It might have been choices. To marry the man that you were kind of, huh, about. That's right. Uh -huh. I mean, it, it, it can be any number of things. And yeah. they don't necessarily have to be dramatic, right. although they may be. Don't they have to be dramatic to be critical? Well, they're dramatic for you. Right. But someone That's else I mean. might look at them. You know, somebody might have been standing out in the hall looking at Carmen standing in front of the blackboard right, right. and thought, you know, it's just a kid standing in front of the blackboard. But for her experience, dramatically, dramatically different. And you can't change what you don't acknowledge, so that's why we have to get in touch with those. And these choices may not have made the 6 o'clock news, but in your life, they made a huge difference. That's right. There were headlines on the 6 o'clock yeah. news. And you can't unchoose them. I mean, they're, they're choices, but they, they put you in a position to define yourself in a certain way. Now, what's way. great about the self-matters approach is that you then get to see, this is what's really critical, you then get to see that the critical choices that you have made are really just choices. And just like you made those choices, you can make other choices. That you are where you are in your life based upon those choices. That's right. And you may not be able to unchoose that, but you can rechoose today. Yeah, right. Because where you are and whether you're living fictionally or authentically it is, a, is a function of the choices you have made and are going to make. Well, so you may identify seven, but I'm hoping to create seven more. Okay. Well, Bennett says he feels cursed because of constant failures in his life. He wants to figure out why he can't seem to make a positive change. He wrote to Dr. Phil for help. I have been working on a family business for 20 years now and have gotten nowhere. I don't even make enough money to pay my bills and live a life. I am unfulfilled and bitter. I feel stuck and unable to create change no matter how hard I try. At this point in time, it is more difficult to change direction with a wife and family to support. 
I am not satisfied with my situation and don't know why I can't change. I don't even know where to begin to look inside myself. I can't take it anymore. Help. Okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> now, I mean, do you see what I'm saying about the, the critical right. choices? And you came and you got excuses for it. You didn't have any money. They didn't want you to do it. But you just said, I have made a choice that put me on a 20-year path that I do not want. And, at, but at least it's not paying your bills. So, I mean, you don't like it. You're working for what you don't want. It's not giving you the money and the return that you want, but it's a choice that you made. And, and let me tell you... That's, and that's key, Phil. So many people are working for what they don't want. That's right. Oh. Think how hard you're working for, for what, what you, you don't, don't want. want. Oh, boy. And, and, and let me tell you how hard it is. And, and I, I'm, I know you're going to tell me I'm right about this. And if you don't, we'll cut you out of the tape. No. <laughs> Just kidding. No. But I, I'll tell you what it's like. <laughs> if, you, if, if you have an authentic self, Something, and for you, it was photography, right? Something, a skill, ability, a vision you had for you was to create those images in, in your life, and you, and you turned your back on that. And how many of you, if you're like me, you were kind of simple-minded when I was growing up, were you ever in a swimming pool and you were trying to hold a beach ball underwater? You know how, how you do that? Well, it doesn't work. I mean, it's constantly fighting to get out and slipping to the side, and it will wear you out. That's the energy you spend holding your authentic self down while you're dancing for the world and doing what you're expected to do. And it takes all of that energy to hold your authentic self down, and, and you may not even know With what me. that is. You know what it is. And when you're living a fictional life, that's like pushing a boulder up a hill. You can do it. You can go sell your real estate. You can go through the motions. You can put one foot in front of the other. But it's hard. And like you said, when you're doing something you love, when you're doing something you're passionate, it's like rolling that boulder down the hill. That's right. And it doesn't feel like work. That's right. Instead I got of pushing that in the third field. grade. Thank that's you. right. Okay. And that's why I put it in there, because you figured it out. Yeah, in the third grade. And, and so you, you've got to look at it and say, I made a choice with a fifth grade book. With a fifth grade, yeah. <laughs> but, the, but the whole point is, you're spending all this energy denying who you are. And we don't even realize that's draining our life energy. And you're spending all of your energy working for what you don't want, pushing that boulder up the hill. And there comes a point where you got to say, you know, you said, I did this for 20 years. Well, the first story in this book, I talk about the fact that I did it for 12. I did it for 12. Family business. Uncle. Yeah, my dad wanted me to practice with him, you know, go practice with him in a town I didn't want to go to and a job I didn't want to have. And I did it for 12 years, and it damn near killed me because it was fictional. I was dancing for the world. It was not what I wanted to do. Dancing for the world or dancing for somebody else, period. That's right. They yeah. have an expectancy, and you feel so the, the expe expectancy. We want people to like us. We do what's expected. Yeah. Right. There's a real estate business. They need you. Come into this. Do this. But what about you? And, and you don't have to, like, go divorce your families and husbands and wives, but you've got to find out, what about me? Where, where did the things that I care about and want go, and am I living fictionally or authentically? And that's an important question to answer. And you made that choice, and you've been on that road for 20 years. That was a critical choice. And you're still choosing it every single day. And, and you said it's hard on your tape. You said it's tough with a wife and kids to make a change. You're talking to the wrong guy with that excuse. Because I guarantee you, you can do it. If you find a passion, if you find a way, if you find the passion, you will find a way.
Bill says that critical choices are based on a hierarchy of needs, and Bennett made his choice when, I know a lot of people, were, he just had 86 cents to his name. So that choice was based on survival. Yeah, and one of the things that I want you all to know is when you make choices, what drives your choices? And what we choose is driven by a hierarchy of what's important in our lives right then. The, the lowest need, the less evolved need, is, is survival. The next one is security. And, those, and if you're doing things for survival and security, you're never getting to the things that you want, which is you know, self-expression and intellectual expression and spiritual expression, all of those things. Ask yourself what's driving your choices. Are you making your choices out of self-expression and love? Or, or feeling good about yourself, or are you doing it out of fear, which is survival and security? And the highest is spiritual fulfillment. It's spiritual fulfillment, where you're doing something because it lifts your spirit and, and gives you the feelings that you want to have from the feeling. And if you don't know what's driving your choices, then you'll never understand why you're making the choices you're making. Because haven't you asked yourself, why do I keep doing this? Why do I keep doing this? And if you don't know the answer to that, You'll keep doing it. Okay. Think of this for yourself now. Five pivotal people who've impacted who you are today. A pivotal person is? A person that did ride on the slate of who you were with something they did or said. It could be positive. Or negative. It could be negative. And the same person could have been positive at one point and phase in your life and negative in another. A, a couple of them might be easy. It might be your mother or your father. But after that, you, you got to start thinking, was it a teacher? Was it a friend? It may be somebody that doesn't even know they were pivotal for you. It may be somebody that in a split second, they changed who you were, or it may be something, somebody that you lived with for a long period of time, but there are pivotal people in your life that determine who you have become today. Okay. Carla is a stay-at-home mom and admits that she's unhappy and holds herself back, but she doesn't know why. She doesn't know why. I'm lucky to be able to stay home with my children. At the same time, I feel like I'm losing myself. The days are trickling by, and I feel like I'm being controlled by life instead of controlling my life. When I was young, I thought I could be something great. I've always had a dream of doing something with my artwork, and I've never made a sincere effort at it. I graduated from college, got married, and had two children. All the women in my family had children and stayed at home. I feel like my dad influenced my decision to be a stay-at-home mom. Okay, here we go. One, two, three! Through it all, I feel like I left something very important out of the picture, and that's me. A person who just meets me might think I have it all together, but on the inside, I feel like a fraud. I feel like a failure most of the time. I want more of my life. I'm not sure what would make me feel fulfilled. I will be 40 soon. I feel like I'm having a midlife crisis. Well, Carla had the assignment of trying to figure out her five pivotal people. So who was the person who impacted you the most and how, Carla? Well, it was my dad. I'm the youngest of six children, and he was a very hardworking man. I mean, he did a great job working and, and supporting all of us, but he was very critical of what we wanted or didn't got. How was he know. critical of you? Well, um, early on, I, I always liked to draw and paint. And uh, I remember early on, he, he just, he would scoff at, at uh, any awards I, I won in school. 
art shows, things like that. Um, then later on, when it was time to go to college, he said, you can't make any money being an artist, so therefore, I didn't do it. I didn't go to art school. Mm. Oh, okay, listen. <laughs> All right, and, and I want to say, but I'm going to answer that in just a second, okay. but the rest of you, did, did you hear what he did that affected her? And you're all parents now. So that's why you got to ooh and ah over every stick figure they bring you, okay? <laughs> and obviously, you were doing much more than stick figures. But let me tell you what happens with that, per that pivotal person in your life. Every one of us has a personal truth. It's something we believe about ourselves when we're not wearing the mask and putting our best face on for the world. It's at the core of our soul what we honestly believe about who we are. And nobody writes larger and more bold on that than your parents. Than parents. And for you, he said, he scoffed at it, oh, these awards are nothing. You can't make a living doing this throughout your life. And so you checked out. That pivotal person caused you to check out of your vision for art, isn't that right? right? And since then, haven't you started checking out on other things in your life? Yeah. You thought about checking out of your marriage, you've checked out of, of, of saying, I'm not having any fun, I'm just wasting my life here. I mean, it, you see how it spreads. It changes who you are, these pivotal people. He wrote on the slate of you that what matters to you matters to no one else. They wouldn't pay you for it, they, we don't validate it, exactly. there's nothing there, and so you checked out. And so these things that happened so many years ago connect up to who and, and what we are today, and we're all being passive in that. And so you pick up a book about self, and it gives you some ethereal evolution of your ancestry and all that stuff. That's not it. You've got to get down to what are the 10, 7, and 5 that defined who you are today so you can have a to-do list. Okay. I know. The second half of the book is about then what do you do? Because I got my 10, 7, and 5. I got it. I got my 10 <clears throat> moments, my critical this, my five pivotals. Now what? And it's not as easy. I'm just sitting here with information. And, and it's not as easy yeah. as just 10, 7, and 5. There are questions you have to answer about each defining moment, about each critical choice to identify how it has manifest in your life right now today. It's all about knowing the questions to ask. I mean, you've got to know the questions to ask. But then, you're right, the second half of the book is, okay, what do I do about it? What do I do about it now? Because we respond not to what happens in our lives, but to how we interpret what happens in our lives. What do we say to ourselves? How do we label ourselves? What do we, what's all of our internal reaction to those things? That's what you've got to get a grip on. The first half is historical and diagnostic. The second half is the power. What do I do to put myself where I want to be authentically? Put your thoughts to the test. Dr. Phil's four questions you need to ask yourself to test your beliefs about yourself to determine if they are real or not. What are the questions? Well, there are four. And, and what I'm saying is on everything that you think, you've got to start examining your thinking and your values and your beliefs. And number one is what I'm telling myself a true fact. I mean, is it a true fact? And that sounds real simple, but think about that. If we were coming and saying, you're a thief, and you say, well, wait a minute, I know better than that. I know factually that's not true. But if you're saying to yourself or somebody's saying to you, eh, you're kind of boring or you're kind of worthless, that's subjective. And so we start buying stuff that there's no factual basis for. So number one, is it a true fact? Number two, to pass the litmus test, does it serve your best interest? 
I mean, does it serve your best interest? What's good question. for you is good for those you love and care about. I mean, if you're a mom and you're saying, well, I mean, you're talking about taking care of me, you better take care of your children's mother because it's the only one they've got. So, you, I mean, does it serve your best interest? Number three, does it advance and protect your health? Huge wake-up call for me when I went through this process myself and started holding myself to these standards about so much that I was thinking and doing it wasn't protecting and prolonging my health because it's putting so much stress in my life by thinking I could do everything for everybody. And so I'm working real hard on learning how to say no. Okay. I don't think you had that as an issue. I what? Think, saying, learning to say no. <laughs> I, I think well, you say no pretty, pretty well. Well, I'm getting, I'm getting, I've been writing this for a couple of years. I'm, I'm getting better at it. Okay. Um, and then four, does it get you what you want? Does it get you what you want? And, you know, Carmen, you can go back and think about the things that you're saying to yourself. I was special. I was smart. Now I don't feel like I really have a lot to offer. Whoop, stop. I don't feel like I have a lot to offer. Is that a true fact? Did you get dumb at the board that day? No. Does it, is it in your best interest? No. Does it protect and prolong your life? It's wasting yeah. your life. You're burning daylight. Right. And, and does it get you what you want? Absolutely not. You, you fail on all four points on just that one statement. So you have to start saying, I need to start testing my thinking. Because, you know, we trick ourselves. We think we'll tell ourselves the truth because it's us, right? That's not true. You, you, you feed yourself so much bad thinking. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, I saw that edit in the brain. <laughs> bad thinking. Very good, Phil. Boy. That's what came out. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying. You have to challenge your thinking. And it is not selfish to turn, you know, we think that we're a selfish society. We are a selfless society. We are not selfish. We are selfless. Our kids are selfless. Yep. They're, li they're, they're living in carpool, going to dance and soccer and everything is programmed. 500 TV channels, the internet. We don't take time to stop and think, hey, wait, let me think about me for a minute. Am I really doing what I want to do today because I want to do it? Am I doing this because I want to do it or am I doing it because it's what I was doing yesterday? Are you doing what you're doing today because you want to, Bennett, or are you doing it because it's what you were doing yesterday? Okay, 10, 7, and 5. 10 defining moments, 7 critical choices, and 5 pivotal people. And ask yourself this question. Are you one of your 5 pivotal people? See, I was feeling bad when I first took the test because I was one of the first people on my pivotal <laughs> list. And I was thinking, okay, who else could we think of? Yeah. But boy, if you're not, you're making a big mistake because you're with yourself 24-7. Not anybody talks to you as much as you do. The book is available in every bookstore in the country. Just look for the title, Self Matters, Creating Your Life from the Inside Out and Phil's Big Head. Thank you to... <laughs> I am so going to get you. <laughs> I'm Oprah Winfrey, and you've been listening to The Oprah Winfrey Show, the podcast. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join me next week for another Oprah Show, the podcast. And I thank you for listening. <laughs>